All right, guys, we are here. We are doing our very, very first NRL live show. It is something that we have been playing with with the NRL 22 and have a tremendous amount of success with. And today uh, I am joined by a great friend of ours, a very special guest, Mr. Jeremy Bentham from Nikon. Jeremy, how are you, brother? Good. How are you doing, Travis? Oh, I'm doing phenomenal. I'm doing phenomenal. So to give you guys a little bit of a background, um, I was at home doing some work last night and Jeremy called me up and he said, dude, we got it. We, we, I got this 4K here. I want to give one away. What can we do? And I was like, let's do this live feed. And, <laughs> and, and Jeremy was all about it and he's super stoked. Um, and it's actually, it worked out well because yesterday on social media, there was quite a few questions about the new Nikon 4K rangefinder, um, some of its capabilities and some of uh, some of the features and so on and so forth. So I was like, Jeremy, this is perfect timing. People are talking about it. Let's jump online and make it happen, bro. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, There's been a little stir of it recently. Um, a good friend of ours, Scott Satterley, has been testing one out um, and post some pretty high acclaims about it today. Uh, him and, and their squad used some of the angle compensating features for uh, the angle compensated ranges at the last uh, match that they were at um, with pretty stellar results. Uh, a couple guys in that squad placed pretty high, including the winner. So um, he stopped and said it's a real good range finder. I told him to give us a, an honest, no, you know, no BS review of it. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, I want to hear that too. And so, yeah, uh, kind of unique timing. He just posted that this morning. So here we are. Yeah, and then you guys also released a like a minute and a half video on it today as well. Yeah, yeah, everything kind of just converged together. So that that that's awesome. So for all of you guys that aren't familiar with Jeremy, um, you know, if you just new to the precision rifle game, Jeremy's been shooting long range precision rifle matches for several years. You can see some of the trophies above his head. He's got a, a stellar. Uh, track record and what a year and a half two years ago something of that nature you joined forces with Nikon yeah um I've gotten to PRS um because that was really the only gig in town other than local matches back in about 20 2013 2014 um and just I've been shooting my whole life but um I'm a competitive person uh I've kind of met some people here and became uh associated with the group here at our local range uh, good friends of mine, Cody Howell, and some others that you guys probably know their names, had been shooting for a long time. All of us fell into the competitive side of it one way or the other, but we all met, became friends. Um, we were shooting locally and then decided to kind of join the, the big leagues, if you will, and flew to my first PRS match and uh, just got completely addicted to it. Um, flew all over the country. The next, the next year, 2015, I believe it was, um, I shot something like 27 matches that year including local regional and, uh, and national matches so chased it pretty hard um my, my goal was to end up top 10 in the country which uh i got a very very extensive trophy <laughs> to prove it um and then that was kind of our entry into it and then as fate would have it i, I fell into the hands of a roundtable discussion um nikon had been wanting to get into the long range game uh, it's a pretty unique company. The longer I worked there, the the more I learned that. Been around for 101 years, and uh, they wanted to get in the precision long range game. It's a growing segment of the market, as we all know. Um, and so I met the senior vice president, who is now coincidentally my boss, 
and uh, and he, we got to talking, and next thing you know, I was down at Shot Show a week and a half later at their booth, <laughs> um, and then I was offered the job that uh, that week. So uh, it's been been a whirlwind year and a half. Um, I've been to Japan many times. I've seen the operations, um, and I've I've got a pure pure pride for the company now. Um, as we'll probably go into a little bit, we do things a little bit differently than everyone else. Um, so I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. But yeah, that's kind of the, the short history of it. That's awesome. So when you came on board with Nikon, it was strictly for this market. And from previous conversations, um, you helped develop a lot of the new black line or, or take over some of the development that they'd already started or something of that nature. Is that correct? Yeah. So when I had joined at um, actually previously to me joining at that roundtable discussion, they were having basically a Q&A of what people like myself required out of, a, out of an optic and, and out of uh, gear in general for this use. And the Black X1000, um, I'm sure some of you guys have seen it around, was developed before my time. It was a second focal plane version of what is now the FX1000, and it's pretty simple, X1000, FX is the first focal plane version, right. but they had asked asked me kind of what is a requirement and as we all know there's some pretty simple uh, things that you got to check to be a match grade scope in my opinion it was good clicks it was absolutely a zero stop it was a good reticle um, first focal plane and, and some other you know just those features that that make our life easier shooting um, so we basically took the X1000 modified it we put high-speed turrets on it um, changed the clicking mechanism so obviously we had to have twice as many clicks um, so it's 10 mil or 25 MOA. We put a, a true zero stop in it, which is very simple to set. Um, we first focal plane, new reticle, and, and some, other, some other subtle changes to the scope. So, um, and then it, it comes in at you know 649 or 749 or 8 or 800, 799 for the highest price model. And um, the, the idea behind it, if you will, was not everyone can go out and buy a two or three thousand dollar optic to get into shooting, um, especially as you guys have done with the NRL 22. Some people just want to get a taste for it and and see if it's their game. And so, right. the thought process was to take a scope and make it affordable, but something you could go shoot a match with and and not be behind the, the game. Um, there was a, a PRS match. I know. Um, no, we live was, it all, man. Yeah, no, I know. It's just fun to talk about each other. Um, it was a PRS match uh, recently that I was able to drive to because my work schedule is so busy um, that I was able to drive to, and I bolted one of these FX1000s on. I hadn't been shooting in about a year just because of work. Drove up there and uh, and ended up seventh place out of 89 shooters. So to, to say it's a match-grade scope is, is not an understatement. I mean, a top-10 placing with the $799 scope is, is pretty admirable. So I, I think we really did our job trying to bring the features to uh, an affordable price level. No, it's absolutely amazing the amount of features that you're getting at such a uh, an affordable price point. Um, you know, it, oftentimes human nature says, you know, if it's not expensive, it's not good. That's the way that a lot of us have been been bred to think, you know, if it doesn't cost X amount of money, it must not be quality, but that's the exact opposite. I mean, Nikon is world, world around renowned, sorry, known for their glass from their cameras and from a bunch of other divisions that they have. So it's, I mean, you guys are able to make it cost effective because of your technology and your experience in other markets, correct? 
Yeah, um, without going into all the details, we'll be here for hours. This, this has been a big learning curve for me too. And what I've learned is, and this was kind of part of what I was saying when Nikon does things a little differently, is a lot of companies, and I won't throw out any names because most companies do it, um, on their more affordable price optics and even on some of the more expensive ones, they use subcontractors. They go to them and say, we want a 4 to 16 or a 6 to 24, um, and they, they, they license an already pre-existing optical design. And then you get whatever glass you know you spec in that price range, and then you basically spec out a reticle and, and turret knurling and some other you know cosmetic attributes. So right. the thing is, um, we're Nikon. We are we have a herd of optical engineers, mechanical engineers. So we do things a little differently in the sense of we provide an optical design that we've engineered, and we provide glass specs and everything else, and we build these scopes completely. And when I say completely is our mechanical engineers will actually through CAD and everything else, design the entire internals of this thing. And, and they, what they do is we use the same subcontractors. I'm not going to say that we don't most all optics companies do, but they build to our spec. We don't accept their spec. And it's a very, very big difference. And what, what you get at the end of the day is you get superior optics because it's an optical design that we've spent, tireless time building and you get uh, you get a better mechanical product we do some things on these scopes such as machining match sets so in again without going all the details but this i just learned this on my last trip to japan <laughs> pretty neat is inside a scope you have you have threads that connect and that's when you move your erector set up and down. Um, typically they take two out of the bin they put them together they put them in a scope we actually machined mated pairs um, okay. So to, to reduce lash, which causes scopes to not track. When you have lash inside, scopes don't track. So they actually machine mated pairs even on this price point level of scope. I don't know, um, but I don't think anyone else is doing it at that price. So there's a lot more that went into this scope than just picking out an optical design, throwing a reticle in it, and, and here we go. So we're pretty proud of it. That, that's phenomenal. And the reticles are new for this year as well. Yeah, the reticles were redesigned um, to have finer holding points on um, uh, on the reticle because before it was half. I'm just going to talk in MRADs because that's what most of us here are using, right. um, unless there's that, uh, MOA questions that come up. But the second focal plane was half um, MRAD. The FX1000 is 0.2, so a little bit finer holding points, um, numbered, so very easy to access. Um, you know your holding points, and then. Um, we're working on a whole bunch of new reticles that'll be coming out um, and probably announcing some of them at SHOT Show next year. Some things you guys have been asking for. Can't go into any details, but you can nice. You can take a guess. So um, it, we're listening. We're building stuff. We have we had 28 new products that were announced at this SHOT Show, and uh, the ball is rolling on the engineering side, and we're going to have a whole herd more um, that are going to be coming out next SHOT Show. Phenomenal. And one of the biggest uh, new items that came out at SHOT Show was the 4K rangefinder. Yes, it was a big one. Um, so there, we announced two new rangefinders. There was a Monarch 3000 and then the black 4K. Um, and the Monarch 3000, the idea was it's image stabilized. It's a, it's a technology that comes from our camera lenses, and it really takes about 80% of the shake out of a rangefinder. So it really allows it to be used in any conditions wind, rain, so on and so forth, or single-handed. It's big for bow hunters because you've got your bow in one hand and you're ranging with the other. Right. But Monarch 3000 was designed 
as, as really a hunting range finder. Um, and then the 4000 was designed as really a shooting range finder. Um, so it's that was kind of the thought process in the design. Um, and the capabilities kind of are in sync with each of those. Um, you know, the Monarch 3000, there, there's been some posts online like, well, it doesn't quite go 3000 yards. And, um, and it doesn't. Um, I know there's been a lot of questions about capabilities. I'm sure we'll get into that. So I'll, I'll hold those until, you know, you bring that back up. But yeah, there are two big products for us. And, um, and the 4K has been getting some pretty great remarks recently. So we're happy with it. Awesome. So what we're going to do is we put a post out on social media earlier today asking for people to write in some of their questions. And I've got a list of questions here um, that we're going to go through. And what we're also doing, because Jeremy felt so generous, is we're going to be giving away a 4K rangefinder to one of the viewers and participants of this show. So there it is right there in his hand. Hold it up a little bit higher. There you go, brother. That's the new 4K. I've had the chance to play with one. I think they're phenomenal. Um, I haven't had a chance to fully test it out, but I mean, it, it's pretty badass. So let's jump into some of these questions. We're going to start off. Some of these questions, I was I was laughing because I, I sent them to Jeremy earlier. And I was like, dude, I don't know if you, I can answer these. I hope you can answer these. And his response was like, dude, are these guys engineers or what? <laughs> thank, thank you, Jeff Spaulding. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um so we're going to start our start off with a couple of simple ones just to get them out of the way, okay? Um, Eric from uh, Eric Corpus uh, on Facebook, uh, simple question asked uh, if it has a sling attachment point. So, um, I, I read that question. Um, I, I saw that one come by, and I I guess I don't know what he means by sling attachment. Um, on the back side of it, there is there's two ports, if you will that allow you to tether anything to it. This one comes with it. It's a neck tether lanyard that you can, you know, tighten and loosen whatever you want to do. So there is two attachment points on the back side of the unit. I don't know if you can see those. Oh. Um, so if that's what he means by sling, I would say yes. Um, I, I don't know of any other type of, unless he means like a QD mount, which uh, no, it does not have like a, a QD push button type of mount, um, but it does have attachment points. And those attachment points, I'm sure you guys can get creative because we've seen tons of creative things out there. I'm yeah. sure you can, you know, configure something to mount to a sling or how to figure out uh, a QD attachment onto it if you wanted to. But it does come with a lanyard. Um, next question comes from Craig Dribble, again, on social media, Facebook. He said, what is the expected battery life and how does it do in freezing temperatures? So, um, man, this goes, um, I'll kind of touch on a little bit. Uh, battery life, short story, is about um, in, in standard operating temperatures is about 2,500 uh, cycles. Um, so obviously if you hold it down and you hold it in scan mode, um, it's that counted as I think it's two cycles. Um, obviously if you hold it for the entire time, which is a duration of about eight seconds. But in typical press range, it's 2,500 cycles. And then um, freezing temperatures. Um, that's a tricky question because the rangefinder is is tested um, over in over in our offices in Japan. It's, it's interesting. They have a something we call the torture chamber. When you go downstairs, they have a, a recoil testing machine and they have um, another one that tests it up to like 130. I think it's 138 degrees and it goes down. Uh, sorry, it's on top of my head because it's in Celsius. Um, it goes down to I want to say it's 15 degrees. Uh, 10 or 15 degrees. Um, sorry, my Celsius calculation is not is not on par <laughs> with where it should be. Um, 
So they test them there. The issue, as all of us know, who are hunters or anything else, the issue in freezing or cold temperatures is your battery. Um, batteries don't do well when it's when it's super cold. They they don't last. So um, yeah. I would recommend take recommend take a few of them if you want a hunting trip. As Craig knows, Craig's a big hunter up in Washington. Um, so the rangefinder in any conditions I've ever been in and that they've tested to, which is 10 or 15 degrees, it, it functions just fine. The problem is your battery life. So um, they're lithium batteries, so they do a bit better than like a NICAD. But um, again, it's kind of a difficult question to answer. The rangefinder could do its part. Um, we froze one down, down, <laughs> down to less than, I'm not gonna say that it, uh, we're supposed to, but we froze one um, in a freezer, took it out, I mean, we, we do test the stuff pretty extensively, and it's working on any conditions. Um, I haven't put one in liquid nitrogen or anything, but uh, but anything we've tested, in it, it's done fantastic. Awesome, awesome. But okay. Because the battery is, is a tough one. And you know what? That, that's true with any piece of equipment. I mean, with us doing all the video work and things of that nature, we always have to be aware, you know, when we're going out into a cold environment, um, you know, we bring extra batteries or we make sure that we have charging stations uh, to keep that stuff alive. And that's nothing, you know, that's no fault of the camera manufacturer or the optic manufacturer or whatever. It's it's a battery thing. Um, a lot of people I know that hunt in some really adverse conditions will actually take the batteries out and keep them in their pocket. Um, keep them warm, yeah. Body keeps the battery up. Um, so it's, sorry, Craig, it's kind of a difficult one to answer. Um, I don't think you're going to have an issue with the rangefinder and any temperatures you would hunt in is a short story as long as your batteries hold up. But that would be pretty cold. There you go. All right. Let's uh, let's go to one of Mr. Spaulding's questions. You want to start with one of his hard ones or one of his easy ones? Because he had a bunch of questions for you. Uh, whatever you want to do. All right. Let's, uh, let, this is what I think was the most challenging question because I was just, you know, I'm on a different level. I don't understand everything that he and you guys do. But Jeff Spaulding, I'll go for it. I said, and I'm going to do my best here. There you go. That's all we can ask. So Jeff Spaulding asks, assuming the angle calculation is based on horizontal cant at the time of the firing of the laser, how does vertical cant affect the angle calculation? Okay, so I don't know if Jeff's screwing with me um, and try, trying to catch me off guard. Um, <laughs> he so, might be. He, he might be. Um, so when we think of cant as shooters, um, we think of cant because we have trajectory. So we have things like bubble levels. And when you hold a rifle vertical, we're having a bullet that leaves your path of, and it travels in an arc and comes back down. So obviously if we're off cant, that it's gonna affect it tremendously different than a laser. Lasers point straight and they shoot straight. So right. the only offset you're gonna have in a rangefinder is roughly about 0.8 inches between the, uh, the laser diode itself and, and the part that receives it. So even if you turned it sideways, it's, it's, it's gonna function the same because they point the same direction. Now, his, his question, I believe, was how does it affect the sensors in the can um, for, for calculating angle? Because, and I think what he's asking, is when you fire the laser, obviously there's sensors, that it's an inc inclinometer and declinometer that calculate the angle based off of unitized vertical. So, I believe his question is if the unit was tilted when you fire the laser, does it does it affect that calculation? And again, because we're uh, 
because we're a little bit different and we don't subcontract things. I actually texted Japan <laughs> for a just question to Japan, who um, my our contact there went downstairs and talked to the engineers, and they said under u- normal usage conditions the sensors will work the same. So if you have a slight angle in it, they said basically without going into all the all the math of it, you'd have to basically turn the unit almost completely flat on its side or upside down, which would be very hard to do. So they said if your eye and you can use it normally, the sensors will function 100%. That's the short answer. <laughs> the that, long you should have just started with that, man. That was so much easier. <laughs> so basically the way that the sensors are set up inside is under any normal usage condition, it will function 100%. Now, if you turn it upside down and did it, frankly, I don't know. I'm sure they can send you all the math. Um, but that's the short answer. Awesome. All right. So next question. Um, I can't remember who this was, but they brought it up on uh, Facebook again. They were asking if you guys were coming out with a mount for the 4K for a tripod adapter or or whatever they plan on using it on. We are. Um, it's it's in the works. Um, we. I, I wanted the mount done right. Um, so. We actually had it made stateside, or are having it made stateside. Um, there's a bunch of companies that can machine things phenomenally well, um, and a bunch of companies that design things phenomenally well. Um, Phil Cashin over at MPA has always done, he's pretty cutting edge when it comes to designing things. So I asked him, I said, hey, would you be interested in taking on this project? Uh, he said, absolutely. Told them what we wanted, uh, worked together, and right now it's in the phase of getting the extrusions made. You're going to extrude it, machine it, um, and all that. So a uh, little kind of sneak peek of it, it's going to be a clam type of uh, type of mount. On the bottom, it's going to be Arca Swiss compatible, so you don't need to put a plate on it if you have a really right stuff or any other Arca Swiss compatible tripod. It's also going to have a quarter by 20 hole in the bottom, so you can put a plate on it if you have something else. And um, Phil was very excited to tell me that the 3D printed sample they made, it actually fits inside the case with it on which is pretty awesome. So Absolutely. So, so yeah, we're having it made. Um, we're about six or eight weeks out on it, I believe, right now, kind of depending on tooling and extrusions. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so we have some questions from guys that are actually um, actually joining us live right now. JD, uh, I believe it's Darley, wants to know if the FX1000 parallax, this is jumping to the scope now, FX1000 uh, parallax at 25 yards. Um, it's, it's set for 50. Um, I know that Tyler, um, from, uh, Frenner, uh, he messed with one of them at SHOT Show. We had one of the range finders and, uh, on the four to 16 model and we're, and we're testing it and it got pretty clear to low thirties. Um, it's, it's rated for 50. You can clear it to, in my testing, about 32 is, is pretty accurate. Um, Moving forward, it's something that I told Japan we need to work on lowering with our new optical designs uh, to get lower parallax. I'd love to see something around the 20, 25-yard mark. Um, so it's, we're very aware of it, working on it. But currently, that one is technically 50, works closer than that. But that's that's about it. Awesome, awesome. Um, <laughs> all right, so- so, of course, there's got to be one guy out there, and, and of course, he's actually a good friend of mine, Micah O'Hare from Vegas. He's asking asking if you're going to offer it in flat, dark earth. Offer? Offer the rangefinder in, in different colors. 
<laughs> don't have any plans, though. I've got a wall of spray paint over there, but I don't have right? any plans at the moment. All right. Simple, easy enough. Um, Scott Whitehead wants to know what the beam divergence angle is. Beam divergence on the black 4K is 1.7 by 0.25 MRAP. There you go, Scott. All right. Um, um, to, to that point is one of the features that's – sorry to cut you off there. One of the no. features that's pretty interesting is um, – is the rangefinder through what's called gating does, we have two modes inside of it. There's a first target and a last target priority mode. Um, to a degree, they mitigate a bit of beam divergence. And what I mean by that is if you have, um, if you have a berm, let's say in a target sitting in front of it, the, and you have it in first target priority mode, the, the laser rangefinder, as it sends out the laser, it will, the first thing it picks up sending back that's the range it'll give you. And in layman's terms, what it means is if you have a big wall of trees and you have a deer standing in front of them or you have a berm and you have a target on a stand in front of them, is it's going to give you that first target priority. So, um, And then alternatively, it has a last target priority. And what that does is you, you have light shrubs or some branches and you're trying to range through them. Light, I mean, we can't, you can't have a wall of, you know, of, of right. leaf. But um, it will give you the last range it can get so if you're trying to you're in a tree stand trying to range a deer and a couple sticks or whatever it's going to give you the range to the further target so it does have two modes in it that can help you um depending on what the situation is awesome awesome um something that i, I think a lot of people are going to want to know um is um i really uh, john goldsmith says i really want to know not claimed but actual range distance on these range finders on non-reflective targets? Man, that's a difficult question um, because I'm, I'm getting pretty technical with this whole thing tonight. Um, is conditions play such a huge part in this? Um, obviously, um, us and every other brand um, uses these things in ideal lab conditions, right? I mean, they're, right. they, it's when the UV light is, is almost non-existent and the target is a highly refractive prism um, set at a certain yardage. Um, that is, that's become the standard for your claimed ranges. Um, when I first got the black 4K sample, um, I only had it for a couple hours before I had to ship it out. I went up on a hill here and I was ranging trees at 2,700 yards consistently. Um, I can, now, now that I actually have a unit, I've gone out and played with it a whole bunch. I can't do 2,700 consistently. Um, I've hit barns at over 4,000 with it, but real world conditions, um, this is a, I'll bring it back to Scott Satterley because I said, post a real honest review. And if, uh, if you don't, not friends with Scott, find him on Facebook, uh, you can see his review. And what he said is, cause they just used it at the EL, ELR match that they, right. that they held. And so he said for real world conditions, for the type of shooting we do, it held its own. It did 1700 yards all day long. Now he said between 1700 and 2100 is sometimes you have to range it a couple times. Because um, they had a uh, Vectronics PLRF 15, I believe. Uh, I think that's what he said, yeah. Yeah, so they had one of those side by side. And he said the PLRF would get it out to 2100 every single time. Um, and he's, but obviously, I think that thing is five or $6,000. But yeah, he's, um, this one would take two or three cycles, I believe is what he said, to, uh, to get that range. But it ranged out to 2100 yards on, on the shield targets that they had out there. So, um, 
I don't I don't want to BS anyone on the ranging capabilities. That's what he said. Um, I've ranged targets out to 2,000 pretty consistently. Um, it, you know, once you get past 1,700, it might take a, a click or two to get it. But for what we shoot, these types of matches, which are usually 1,400 and in, um, right. I think I, I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed with it at all. That being said, um, your conditions play an enormous role in how uh, rangefinders function. The uh, UV light interferes with lasers, so bright sunny day, Arizona, um, like Beard Owens knows and everyone out, um, you get down there and their the rangefinders struggle. Um, any rangefinder struggles more in UV light. So um, it's really dependent on conditions, but from uh, normal shooting conditions for this sport, I don't think you're going to have an issue with this rangefinder. 14, 15, 1700 yards and in, not a problem. 1700 and out, obviously these struggle a little bit more, um, but it's I don't think anyone would be disappointed for what we do. Awesome. That's awesome. Real, my real answer. No. And that, and you know, that's what we're here for is we don't want the salesman pitch. We want the shooters, you know, the shooter's perspective, which you are, which actually leads us to our next question. Um, Mr. John pinch wants to know, do you even shoot bro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Pinch. I never called you back today. Yeah, um, apparently uh, in between flights and everything else, I get out every once in a while. I actually um, have been making a calendar up to get out and shoot a bunch of matches. I was talking to my boss because I was on something like 72 or 78 flights last year. Um, trying to find time to, to fit matches in has been difficult. But now that we've kind of got a good cadence of, uh, of, of products coming, development, things in engineering, um, it's the day-to-day -day stuff never going to go away, but I'm just booking matches and just making time around it. Um, I really, really miss it. Uh, when I got out a couple weeks ago, it really reminded me of that. So um, I actually just literally built a new gun that came in the other day. Um, nice. Bought a bunch of grass. Um, guy off Facebook, Jared White, um, who I'm now friends with, just got a Dylan 1050 from him yesterday. So it's uh, yeah, things are moving here, and I'm, I'm definitely going to get back out there. Thanks, John. <laughs> can always count on John, right? Oh yeah. Um, what else? What else? So, just this question just came in from uh, Greg uh, Pyatt. Is there a Nikon black binocular with rangefinder? No, not a black binocular with rangefinder. There is a Nikon, uh, what we call our Nikon Laser Force. It is a 1900 yard um, all-in-one unit. Um, it's actually it was released last year. Um, it's a it's an amazing product. Um, I, I came on and, you know, I've owned like a GeoVids and, and, and other things like that. And it's a, it's an absolutely amazing product for the price. Um, it's a 10 by 42. It goes out to 1900 yards. Um, we've hit an excess of that. Um, again, going into the whole ranging thing. Um, you know, I don't want to claim anything. When we were down shooting with the desert tech guys, we were hitting rocks at over 1900 yards in Utah. Um, and that was a bright sunny day. It's pretty consistent. Um, it's, I mean, as far as its claimed ranges, it's it's up there, um, and it's basically 11.99 is uh, is retail on it. 1900 yard rangefinder, uh, 10 by 42 bino has ED glass, lifetime warranty. Um, it's a phenomenal piece of kit, especially for hunting. Awesome. Uh, Brandon Green is asking, um, and again, this is it, it's a variable question in my opinion. I don't know how you, how to answer this, but what about extreme humidity? And that was his question. 
condition ones are really tough to answer because there's no honest answer because it's it's a um, variable yeah it's a variable um trying to think how to answer this honestly um man um it's the the 4k i'm gonna back up here a little bit the the 4k for the price in what i've seen and what i've used will beat anything else out there at that price point um something's quite a far far bit above it i've had independent people test it against kilo 2200s uh loopholes ranger 1800s whatever it is um and from what i've seen at this price nothing can touch this product and i um i can say that pretty confidently um what does that mean to you um it, it means it's probably going to work a little bit better than anything else in the same conditions for this price um it's that's just such a difficult question to answer because there's it's like you said it's such a variable um right. but I, what i've used it in rain fog mist it's it's completely exceeded my expectations um those are really hard conditions for a rangefinder. um I would gladly say, you know, if you bought one and tried it and were disappointed, um, try anyone else's products, that, you know, in, within the same pricing realm. And if you're not happy with it, return it. Shoot me a text, shoot me a call, shoot me an email, whatever you need to do. Um, I I have yet to had anyone that's bought one that's been disappointed. That's kind of the... There you go. I don't know how else to, to kind of answer that with, the, you know, any sort of certainty. Yeah, because I mean, there really there's not a, a science when you're talking about humidity and how that's going to work because it's humidity is different in air, I mean anywhere you go and across the country, so there's just way too many variables and way too many answers. There, there is, and the problem is anytime you're putting anything between the laser diode and your target, whether that be fog, mist, water particles, dust, whatever it is, it refracts laser beam. You know, it splits it up. Um, some of them handle it better than others. Um, there's on that note. I was talking about the UV light and how it interferes with the laser. Um, they they did a pretty cool thing um, on the engineering side of this, and uh, I can actually now talk about it because it, uh, we just got the patent on it back. But the Nikon engineers, electronic engineers, let me put this simply, they rewrote the the, the code in on how the laser um, is received by the software inside of it, and way over my head so i'm not going to pretend to understand it and again then i was trying to do the translating (laughs) (laughs) basically to put it simply is it as best as it can it mitigates uv interference on the laser um and they i was told that it it works the same as best as it can in humidity and mist fog type of situations um but you know the reviews speak speak for themselves. Um, I've I've gotten this thing out in the hands of some people I really trust, and I said, hey, you know, I, I really want a no BS assessment of this. And um, uh, Travis Shelton from uh, Southern Indiana Precision, uh, he made a post today. You know, he got one, and he was so happy with it at the price that he actually became an Icon dealer just to stock right. them. Um, I saw so, that. That's huge. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's huge, and it's. It's awesome for me. I don't know Travis um, personally. I mean, I've been friends with him on Facebook for five years or something, but I, uh, I don't know him personally. But it's, you know, it's been a struggle for me because Nikon's not ever been known in this world. Um, you know, you got your huge players, you got your Vortex, you got your Schmidt, you know, Schmidt. You got all these people who this is their core, and 
to me, Nikon was such a potential powerhouse because of our mechanical engineers and our optical engineers and, and our right. glass capabilities and everything else. I'm like, man, if we can steer the ship in the right direction, we can make some amazing products because we have the capabilities to do it. And uh, we haven't been around for 101 years making their own stuff. It was just, it just needed to be steered. And I think as you guys saw at SHOT Show, um, and then what you'll see it again at the next SHOT Show, and really for the next three or four years, our development plan is steep. And we are, nice. we are getting into this hard. And we are gonna be bringing products that I really, really, truly believe are gonna completely outperform their price points. So, um, because it's important to me. I mean, again, not everyone says like, yeah, I wanna try out the NRL. I'm gonna spend $7,000 on gear to get into it. Um, you know, and so this range finder at 449, I, I honestly believe will not disappoint. Kind of my awesome. best answer. Awesome, awesome. So we've been talking a lot about the furthest distance. Uh, ben, I can't pronounce your last name. Ben R is asking what the minimum range is that it will detect. The minimum on this one is 10 yards. There you go. Um, on our 3000 is eight yards. Um, is eight yards. The range out further, you, you kind of lose a little bit on the minimum. So again, Monarch 3000, we said was geared more towards hunting, bow hunting. So that one is eight yards minimum and this one's 10. Perfect. Now, speaking of technology, um, and things to come scott whitehead again um has a great question he's asking when will the 4k's power and range be combined with the image stabilization of the lower models um that's a great question it's a, it's a really good question um it's something i've i've asked them to look into um and basically what it comes down to is combining basically the 4k and the 3000 together would be a it was really a price point issue, um, and again, you know, one was geared more towards hunting, one was more towards shooting. Um, I wouldn't say it's not on my radar. It is. Um, I, we just have to get pricing back to do it and make sure it's not like a thousand dollars, you know. Um, so it's definitely something I'm looking, I'm looking into doing. Um, awesome. When it will be done, I, it, it really depends on engineering. We've got them so stocked with stuff coming out that. Um, we just had a, a web meeting about this the other night. We basically kind of have to pick and choose what our priorities are. And we've got two really good range finders um, that just came out. So, and we've got one, which if we can get it done, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, that's a Secrets, huge, huh? huge, huge project for us. But if we can get this thing done, it is a lot of jaws are going to hit the floor. So that's what I'm working towards. It would be an enormous product. Um, so that's kind of on the rangefinder development. So probably not for at least another year, possibly two. Okay. So it's coming, but don't hold your breath. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The, the image stabilization is a, it's an interesting thing. Um, it's very difficult to explain and it's very difficult to try and demonstrate in advertising because until you use it, people always pick it up and they go, whoa, because it's, you you know your rangefinder inside you have a reticle obviously and that reticle uh, it shapes with your hand and when you click this one on the whole reticle just kind of floats and it counteracts your hand movement and um, and once you use one it's very difficult to use a rangefinder without it the thing with the 4K is obviously it doesn't have it but 
the, the thought process was in a shooting situation, most of us are mounting on tripods, dressing on a car hood, a fence post, or whatever. So you got more time. Whereas hunting, it's kind of pick it up, you know, snap and, and go. So um, it's it's something that we're going to probably be implementing in more products because it's just absolutely amazing. Everyone, Matt Gervais and everyone else is asking, <laughs> when is it going to be in binos? When is it going to be in binos? The, uh, the problem is size. It's you got your optical piece that floats in this situation. I'm going to use the word floats. You have a set of electrical components around it. And when you apply current to them, the whole piece floats. Um, think okay. of like magnets that are oppositely polarized. And the problem is, so whatever size lens you have, then you have all this built around it. So trying to do it on a pair of 42 binos makes them huge. So right. um, the components are getting smaller and smaller. We're getting there. We've... Um, we, we potentially uh, will be releasing some that, that are smaller in size. Um, I, I don't know. There's, just, there's a lot of questions about um, is it worth producing some that are smaller in size because, you know, brightness and everything else. So, But it's, it's going to be a technology that you're going to see a lot more of, I think. Awesome. So we have a couple more questions. I'm trying to keep this to a, a time restraint here. Um, but... Uh, with technology emerging and all of these different manufacturers using technology to uh, add features to their optics, uh, Bobby uh, Gonzen, I believe is his last name, is asking, is there an app or is there an app development that's coming that syncs with the rangefinders? No, not on these current ones. If, if you're talking about, uh, I'm a little confused. Is he talking about Bluetooth or... I, I think what he's saying is like you know how your Kestrel can can now sync to your rangefinder or or to an app on your phone and, and give you da uh, hard data. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing that. Okay, awesome. Um, another big question, and I know you touched base on this uh, slightly earlier, but people want to know what the actual warranty is on this product. So the rangefinders are a five-year warranty. Um, and we kind of have two different warranties at Nikon. Um, it's, we have one that's our no-fault warranty, uh, no-fault lifetime repair or replacement. Basically, anything optical uh, is covered by that. And by optical, I mean scopes, binoculars, spotting scopes, anything like, like that is a no-fault repair or replace. Um, there's an issue with it, you run it over, whatever it is, send it in. Um, if it can't be fixed, you, you get a new product. Um, usually, they're replaced. Um, just usually cheaper just replace them to try and source parts and everything and right. it's a quicker turnaround um electrical components um range finders red dots reflex sites are all five years and um and the the reason with the range finders is you know these are pretty cutting edge technology range finders especially considering the price and the thought process is someone that is buying a range finder that's four thousand yards is probably buying another one within a five-year period that has you know, more features or further range or whatever it is. So they're all covered by five years. Basically. Awesome. Awesome. Um, now this is a, a question besides the range finder. Uh, Jason Chipley is asking, do you plan on offering a reticle option for your field scope product line? Maybe. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, 
All right, some of these questions I'm going over here, uh, they're kind of repeat questions. Guys, if you're asking some of the questions and we're not getting to them, it's because we've already answered them in some form or another earlier in the show. Um, this show will be saved to social media, to Facebook, so you can watch it over and over again if you like. Um, this is a question from uh, Robert uh Stutz, I believe. I'm not pronouncing your last name correctly. I apologize. Um, and I'm not sure I, I quite understand this question, but maybe we can decipher it together. Uh, question is, is any plans on bringing out some first focal plane optics with a sub $100 to $1,200 price point similar to that big V name that I won't say? So I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand that question because you're already sub a thousand dollars on your highest end FX one thousand. So hopefully that answers your your question. Um, a first focal plane and a sub one hundred dollar optics never going to happen. And I mean, um, no, but uh, under twelve hundred, yeah. I mean that's yeah. already done. Yeah, under twelve hundred. I mean these FXs they start at six forty nine for the four to sixteen non illuminated, seven forty nine for the four to sixteen illuminated, and seven ninety nine for the six to 24 um, illuminated models in both MRAD and MOA, and, and they're all first focal plane scopes. Um, as far as, you know, future products are concerned, um, just like the spotting scope, I, I can't get into, uh, I can't get into future products. Um, I can say if, if you saw what we did in one year uh, with 28 new products, um, I, I would say stay tuned. There's a lot more coming where that came from. Um, and, and with that, um, just to touch on it briefly, I know we want to keep this under an hour, is we did something that was kind of neat this year, um, keeping price point availability and, and everything else to, to be attainable to most people, is there was two other lines of scopes that we kind of revamped on the M, M series and the P series. And those were the P223, P308, M223, M308, all those uh, caliber-specific scopes. We added MOA and MRAD reticle options to them, which is pretty awesome. And it's... The P tactical is a one inch version and the M tactical is a 30 millimeter. So that's the big separator in there. The other separator is the M series gets a side parallax and it's a four X zoom ratio. Whereas the P tactical is does not have a side parallax and it's a three X zoom ratio. But what's neat about the P's is you can get an MRAD or an MOA scope for $199. And those are matched turrets. They're second focal point, of course, for the price, but they're matched turrets, matched reticles. I mean, it's really neat. And that's the, pretty uh, badass. And the 223 version, uh, or excuse me, the uh, the 22 version, there's a rimfire P tactical that's $179 that has an MOA turret and MOA reticle in it. For and it's got a it's rimfire because of the closer parallax. But we made these because I'm like, man, you know, everyone on Facebook says you got to have MRAD, you want to shoot matches. But the guy who wants to like go screw around and you know pick up a and try and learn it, there's not really any good MRAD scopes from a reputable manufacturer that are cheap. So. $199, now you can go get one. And if you want the M series, a 30 millimeter, a little bit bigger tubes, side parallax, they're 399. So, I mean, really, really affordable scopes. That's awesome, that's awesome. So we have two people asking similar questions. Um, Rick Baum is, we're gonna do two more questions. Rick Baum is wondering what the optical magnification is. These are, these are a 6X. Um, and looking at possibly changing that in the future, uh, the 6X was was unique. Um, it, again, it was an optical design that, that we made, um, but it has an extremely wide field of view. If you look at the specs on these rangefinders, the, the field of view is, is very, very wide for what they are. So um, it was kind of a trade-off between field of view and magnification. 
Um, and obviously with magnification comes shake and so on and so forth. So um, they, they are a six sacks but a very, very wide field. Awesome. Okay. So next is a question that I can answer. I can finally, I can answer one of the questions. Garrett uh, Alowski is asking if there's any chance that we'll throw in a multi-cam black NRL hat with the 4K asking for a friend. <laughs> Garrett, if you or your friend wins, I will gladly send you a black multi-cam hat. <laughs> These, are, these are pretty awesome hats. When Travis made the post, I'm like, dude, I need one of those. And Got me a box of them for, for us and our guys. So I'm pretty awesome. Absolutely. Um, so you guys know, you know, obviously Nikon is the title sponsor for the NRL this year. Um, we're already talking about next year and the years, you know, growing together as a, as a family um, and, and really taking on the precision rifle sports together. And that's huge for us. And what that means for you guys is any of the products um, that Jeremy's talked about tonight, whether it's the FX 1000, the 4K, the 3K. Um, if you guys want to try any of these, 99.9% .9 of the time, I have them at a NRL match with me. So if you see me and you're like, hey, I want to try these out, um, I want to try it out for a couple of stages or for the day, whatever, just hit me up and I'm more than happy to let you guys borrow them. That's what they're there for. Um, we're working on uh, setting up most, most of, if not all of our stage rifles with Nikon optics. So that way you guys can test them out and try them out um, and actually see the quality for yourself. It's one thing, you know, to hear about it from all of us, which, you know, we're, we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you what we think, but everything, every piece of equipment is different for everybody. But um, we're very excited to have Nikon on board as our, our title sponsor this year. Um, all the, all the products that they've come out with have been phenomenal. Um, and I don't want to waste any more of your time. So what we're doing is we're giving away a 4k, right, Jeremy? That's the one. And the way that this worked is I asked Jeremy, I said, Hey, do you want to pick the winner from, you know, randomly from the, the people that have joined in? And he said, no, you guys handle it because we don't want anybody to think that we're choosing favorites. I don't want to think anybody, anybody think that I'm choosing favorites. So what we did off camera here, which you don't see, she's been handing me all of your questions. Uh, we had Brittany Miss Contingency X. We had Brittany go ahead and pick the winner. And she just handed me this piece of paper with the name Luke Clement. So, Mr. Luke Clement, you are the winner of a brand new Nikon uh, Black X 4K rangefinder that is awesome, and you are going to love it, sir. Uh, congratulations. Uh, yep, we're gonna we'll reach out to you and make sure that we get your your information. Um, so I can send that over to, to Jeremy and the team over at Nikon to get that out to you. And yes, I will send you a black multi-cam hat as well because, hey, it's your lucky day, brother. So congratulations. Jeremy, um, is there anything that you want to add? I, I know it's getting late, but this is your platform, brother. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of uh, jump off what you said. Um, you know, obviously, again, we're the title sponsor for the NRL. Um, and... I'm obviously the biggest Nikon salesperson there is. Um, it's I'm I'm pretty proud of what we've been able to do this year. Uh, I'm pretty proud of all these products. Um, I'm I'm a stickler for for things like good clicks in a scope, uh, good reticles. I mean I, I've used them at at some of the higher levels of shooting in this country. So I know what I want in something. Um, and um, being part of this community, I I think I can vouch for a lot of us and what we're looking for. So um, we're 
extremely busy. Our engineering team swamped. We're building a bunch of really, really great things. And, um, and we're really excited about this partnership with the NRL. Travis has bent over backwards for us, um, helping us get these products in front of you guys, promote us. And uh, it's definitely not gone unnoticed. Um, this is a partnership I'd like to continue um, for years down the road. Uh, so with that, I'm going to make sure Travis has got all the stuff equipped um, that he needs at any match that, you know, within reason that uh, he can have our products there to show you guys. And any questions, I mean, ask him or myself or, or any of the guys on my team. Uh, we're happy to get them answered. You want to check this stuff out at a match. You got any questions? Um, you know, I'm I'm your guy, and Travis is your guy. So uh, we really look forward to the, the matches growing, the the shooters growing, and uh, and hopefully our products in sync. So I really thank awesome. you guys for taking the time tonight, and um and hopefully learn something. And uh and uh if you do, I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot, and I'm gonna throw in a quick disclaimer there. If you ask me anything scientific, I'm just gonna look at you like I'm completely dumb because. I am not a scientist. I don't understand that stuff. I appreciate it. But if you ask me basic layman questions, I'm more than happy to get it, uh, answer it for you. But I will find answers for you no matter what. And the same goes for me. Um, I I never really want to sit on here and BS anyone. Um, I might not always have the answers. Um, I We have a unique relationship where I literally can just text Japan. Um, and, and, you know, they can walk downstairs and ask an engineer. Again, that's one of the unique things about us is, we don't just contract someone's laser rangefinder. We, we actually build these things so we can get questions answered. Um, I, I might not always have those answers, but I can I can get them. Um, so, right. you know, ever something comes up that you absolutely have to know to, to trump your friends or whatever it is, uh, you know, don't hesitate to ask. I mean, shoot Travis an email, a question, shoot myself yep. an email, a question, whatever it is. And uh, I'm, I'm here for you guys, and uh, I'm hoping to see you at a match soon. Absolutely. Jeremy, it's been an honor. It's been great being able to talk to you. I know you're an extremely busy guy. Like you said, you're traveling around the world all the time. So for you to take an hour out uh, today is huge. We truly appreciate it. Um, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy's been working his butt off. He's one of the hardest working guys I know in the industry. And so he's finally going to be going on a vacation this week. I'm super excited for you. I uh, can't wait to see some pictures. Uh, enjoy the time with the family and friends. Um, but... I'll see you at a match soon. I'm, I'm very excited to, to get out there and uh, and see you shoot again. Yes, yes, you will. And I'm looking forward to this. I haven't taken a vacation in a long time. And uh, I'm actually going off the grid for a week with uh, with George Gardner and the guys down at Gap. And uh, we're going up on a, on a fishing trip on a houseboat with no cell phone service for 300 miles. So nice. I'm, I'm scared of the amount of emails I'm going to come home to, but I'm going to try and forget about them for a week. I'm kind of scared for you about the amount of debauchery that's going to happen on that boat. <laughs> An interesting time. <laughs> well, brother, it's been a pleasure. Um, as always, we're here for you. We truly appreciate all of your support. Uh, everybody in the NRL community truly appreciates it as well. Um, if you guys have questions, you can find Jeremy uh, on social media. He's tagged in all of our, our uh, Nikon NRL posts. Um, go check out the, the website. Um, and... Uh, you know, we're here. So until next time, keep shooting, be safe. And you know what? Jeremy said, we're going to do this once a month. So let's see what happens next month. <laughs> Not next week. <laughs> I, I appreciate you taking the time too. I mean, I know you guys are working after hours. I can see your office there. So, um, you know, I, I, I think one of the things that Travis and I share is, is the passion to, to grow this sport. So I, I hope you guys are with us and uh, let's all do it together. So thank you guys again. Appreciate it all. Thank you, guys. Take care. Have a great night.